You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Worship there. Uh, it's really interesting uh, that we are kind of in the church season, church calendar. Uh, if you've grown up in mainline denominational churches, perhaps you're kind of a little bit more familiar with this. I know some of you may come from no church background or maybe kind of come from a church background that really did not look at or really spend a whole lot of time talking about or thinking about the whole season of Advent. Um, And in the church calendar, church season, that's kind of what we are beginning today is the season of Advent. And Callie kind of talked about that word being uh, the word coming. And, and Advent is kind of typically the four Sundays leading up to uh, Christmas. And again, uh, it, it's just an opportunity for us to really kind of begin to prepare our hearts, not only for the fact that God sent Jesus as a baby, but also in preparing our hearts that as Jesus came as a baby, the scriptures always uh, also talk about that he is coming again the second coming of Jesus. So Advent is an opportunity to look back and to celebrate his first coming, being born there in a manger there in Bethlehem. But it's also an opportunity to look forward to the day in which he will come again. And so that's kind of what Advent uh, is a celebration of. And in your worship folders this morning, there is kind of an Advent reading a Bible reading, a daily Bible reading in there. Um, and what you'll see is if you're participating in that, and I would encourage you uh, to do that, uh, some of them are not very long scriptures. Some of them are just four or five verses. But what you'll find in the reading of the Advent is you'll find references to his coming as a baby, but you'll also find references to his second coming. Now, again, part of what, uh, you know, separates and distinguishes the first and second coming is the first coming, Jesus came as a baby. And as I alluded to in the prayer, uh, Jesus came uh, to save sinners to save mankind from their sins. That was really the purpose of his first coming was to be a savior. The purpose of his second coming is he's going to come and he will not come as a savior, but he'll come as a judge. Uh, and, and so again, those are kind of just some, some differences between the readings that will kind of, uh, again, prepare your heart uh, to celebrate not only the first coming, but to anticipate the second coming of Christ. And so again, I want to just uh, point that out to you, encourage you. Uh, beginning today, there are just daily readings in there, and I would encourage you to take part in that as a way, again, of just preparing your hearts Uh, to be able to receive what God has given to us in the giving of his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And again, oftentimes what happens during this time of the year, and again, this is common to all of us. I don't think anybody here is, is uh, unique uh, in, in this. I think this is something that we all kind of get caught up in, and, and that is, uh, you know, we can get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of the season that Christmas you know, brings. And, and so often, 
um, it, it kind of comes and goes before we really have a chance to really kind of embrace the deeper meaning and significance of Christmas. I mean, how many of us have said, where did the summer go? I mean, it just seemed like summer started and then it was over, or where did the fall go? And, and we kind of feel with the snow and the cold, we're, we're in winter now, we kind of wonder where does time go? And again, Christmas is no different. And I think one of the challenges we face in, in our culture and our society today is how do we keep the message and the spirit of Christmas what it really truly is meant to be? How do we keep the message of Christmas from getting lost or, or minimized or watered down? How do we approach it and move through this season and not allow the secondary things of Christmas, the gifts we give and receive, the decorations, the food, the festivities, all of those you know, activities of Christmas, again, they really have the potential of really crowding out and overwhelming us from ever embracing the true and primary meaning and message of Christmas, and that is that God... Almighty God stepped out of heaven, took on human flesh, and walked among us as a man. That God would become one of us so that we could better understand and know who God truly is and what he is like. And that is the beauty of Christmas because in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus is the clearest, most complete, fullest picture of who God is and what he is like that we will ever see this side of heaven. Paul says this in Colossians 1.15, and, and again, he's describing this absolute truth concerning the person of Jesus Christ, and he said Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Man, that, that is a mouthful. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians 2.9 says it this way, for in him Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Again, huge statement. And these verses from Colossians make it very, very clear to us that Jesus Christ, he is the personal and bodily manifestation of all the fullness of God. And that is really what Christmas is all about that God would come to earth as a man to fully reveal himself to us that we might come to know who God truly is. And beneath all the signs and the symbols of Christmas, there is a very simple and yet a very profound truth that has the power to change and to transform our lives here and now and for all eternity. And if we're ever gonna get Christmas right, and if we're ever gonna keep the focus of Christmas what it needs to be, it's gonna, it's gonna require us to slow down, take some time to purposefully and meaningfully reflect on the meaning and the message of Christmas. 
So let me give you kind of a few ways that you can do that using some of the signs and the symbols of Christmas. Because again, these are very, very common Christmas symbols and events every one of us will have as a part of our Christmas. And it really is an opportunity of how we can take those and use those to really deepen the meaning and the impact of Christmas this season. The first Christmas symbol is the nativity. We see them all over. We see them on Christmas cards. We see them in churches. We see them in public places if they're still allowed. Some of you may have them on your lawn or in your home decorations. I remember growing up as a kid in Davenport, Iowa, and one of the things our family would do every year was we would go to Memorial Park Cemetery there in Davenport. And every time during the Christmas season, they would transform this cemetery into a telling of the Christmas story. And so you would get in your car and you would just kind of drive through the cemetery. And as you drove through the cemetery, uh, you kind of just looked at all of these, uh, these uh, um, symbols, these, uh, th- these uh, signs, and, and they, had, uh, they had made uh, things, big things out of, out of wooden uh, boards. And it was, just, it was just fantastic. Lights everywhere. And it really told the whole story of Christmas. So, you know, you would get there and there would just be tons of cars and you would kind of wait and then you would just slowly drive through the cemetery and you would just look at, at, at all of the just hundreds and hundreds uh, of different displays that they had in the telling of the Christmas story. Now, I just remember as I'm, as I'm a kid and, and, you know, I'm trying to really understand and really grasp the deeper uh, meaning of that. And, you know, there would just be times where I would kind of go through that in kind of just an operational mode, you know. Uh, and, 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 you know, some of the thoughts that I would have is, you know, we're kind of driving through there as a young kid. I, I'd look at myself and just kind of start thinking, man, I wonder where they store all this stuff in the summer. That's <laughs> really a deep thought, Right. You know, or, or I'll say, you know, don't they know that the wise men, I mean, they didn't come till much later in the story. And, and I'll kind of, again, we all have this tendency, we'll kind of start picking things apart rather than really beginning to focus on uh, the larger truth it conveys. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning a deeper thought with regards to the nativity. And I'm going to suggest that we link this to a more central truth and reality. And here's what I'm going to ask you to think, or maybe come right out and say, whenever you see a nativity scene this Christmas, I want you to say this, this really happened in human history. This story really happened. It's a true story. Because again, the temptation for you and the temptation for me is when we get out there and we kind of get all caught up in the Christmas madness and we start seeing, you know, nativity scenes, mangers, baby Jesus, Santa Claus, reindeer, the elves, you know, Santa's sleighs. And again, we're bombarded by all of these Christmas scenes. Again, some true. Some make believe. Again, the temptation for us is just to lump it all together kind of under a Christmas tradition. 
We'll say, you know, some of this happened, some of this is make-believe, some of this is true, some of this is fantasy. And when you look at the nativity, again, I'm just asking you, there just needs to be a constant reminder that this really happened in human history. This is, again, a true story. God did something absolutely profound here, something beyond our ability to fully understand, embrace, or comprehend. We see the same tendency unfold in in other areas of our human history. Take, for example, the Holocaust. There are actually millions of people in this world who do not believe the Holocaust actually happened, that the Jewish nation made all of this up to, to garner some kind of advantage or sympathy. They even have a name for them. They call them Holocaust deniers. And even amid the flood of pictures and historical accounts, eyewitnesses, survivors' accounts of the atrocities the Jewish nation suffered, the concentration camps that still exist today, that there are people out there who actually strongly believe and advocate that this was all a publicity stunt and only happened in people's imaginations. There are people out there who actually believe we never ever went to or landed on the moon or that we've ever penetrated space. All of the pictures and the movies we have of men walking on the moon or in space are are generated on some Hollywood lot. Some people actually believe the space station is located in some undisclosed underground hideout in Arizona and that NASA just kind of fabricated all of this stuff. And again, yet when it comes to the Holocaust, I can understand. When you are confronted and you look at the pictures when you read and you hear the horrific stories of suffering of what one part of humanity did to another part of humanity, I can see where it would be very tempting to play it down, to deny it ever happened, because you got to admit the alternative is not very attractive. Because if the Holocaust is true, and I believe it is, It serves as a reminder of the utter depravity mankind is capable of. And when we see the pictures, when we hear the stories, as unpleasant as they may be, we need to constantly remind ourselves this really happened in human history. And we need to be aware of that so that it never happens again. And the same is true when it comes to Christmas. Even though it occurred over 2,000 years ago, none of us were even around the birth of Jesus Christ. God in human flesh really happened. And on the brighter side of history with every nativity scene you look at this Christmas, you also need to remember this. Not only did this happen in human history, it happened in part for me. Not only did this happen in human history, but this event took place in part for me. God came to this earth 
over 2,000 years ago, took on human flesh, became like one of us, lived among us as a man, died upon a cross for our sins, shed his blood so that we could be forgiven, offers to us eternal life, and God did all of this and more for you and for me. And so every time you look at a nativity scene this Christmas season, I want you to think or I want you to say to yourself, this really happened in human history and it happened in part for me. Let me give you a second symbol or sign of Christmas and that is the music. There's never another time of year where you're gonna be exposed to and have the opportunity to hear some of the most beautiful, some of the most profound music than during the Christmas season. There are some songs we love to hear over and over this time of year. Growing up in the church, I always looked forward to many of the Christmas hymns, such as Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Silent Night, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Joy to the World, just to name a few. And when it comes to the good, sacred Christmas music we're going to hear throughout this Christmas season, again, we have the option. We can kind of just treat it as background noise, not really let it affect us, not really listen to what the words are saying, allow it to speak to us, to move us in profound ways, to link it to the Christmas story in much the way it did the nativity. I love Luke 2.14, kind of records the very first Christmas carol ever sung. In verse 13, and suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host. They joined that one angel and together they proclaimed, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Wouldn't you love to have been a shepherd on that night there in Bethlehem when that multitude of angels came and they made that glorious proclamation, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. This really happened in human history, and it happened in part for me. Somewhere over 2,000 years ago on a hillside near Bethlehem, an angel appeared with a heavenly host to a group of shepherds, and they gave one of the most majestic announcements and messages we will ever have the opportunity to hear, and that message was glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill, toward men. Stop and think about that. That first Christmas carol, it has profound substance. It says what God has done in sending his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to earth is so magnificent. It is so glorious, so majestic, so awesome that when mankind gets a glimpse of what God has done, you will want to worship him passionately, give him thanks and glorify him in the highest because he is worthy of it. That first Christmas carol says, and on this earth, Jesus is going to bring peace between God and mankind, peace between one another. 
God is sending his peace to earth, and that peace is going to be a peace that passes all human understanding. It is a peace that is going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God is sending his son, Jesus, to earth to replace that anxious spirit that so many people live with, to replace that fear, that anxiety with peace. God is sending his son to replace those worries, those burdens that we carry, and to replace them with trust and faith. That Christmas carol said God is sending his son as a sacrifice, as a servant, as an example of what it means to love others unconditionally, to serve others, to putting others ahead of ourselves. And again, that's part of what the doers of the word for December is a challenge, is to put other people before yourself. That's really what those 14 words, that first Christmas carol really meant. And so whenever you hear that Christmas music for the next few weeks, I want you to remember that first Christmas carol and the message the profound, the deep message that it proclaims and conveys glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The third symbol that you're gonna probably come across pretty often this Christmas season are Christmas cards. Now, I don't know, I know growing up, we used to receive tons of Christmas cards. And I remember we would hang them uh, on a string over doorways and, and, and you would pass by those all the time. And, and I just remember being able to read the Christmas cards and oftentimes the Christmas letters. And I, I'm just curious, how many of you still do Christmas cards? Yeah, it, it really has kind of fallen by the wayside in popularity. I know we used to do Christmas cards. Uh, Janie and I, we really don't uh, anymore. I think in part was because one of the uh, Christmas things we sent out was a picture of our three boys in a bathtub. Uh, <laughs> we're, still, we're still living that one down. So I think our kids are finally glad that we, we don't do that anymore for fear of what other pictures of them we would send out. But again, I, I remember, you know, growing up, we received Christmas cards. You know, there was a point to where we sent out Christmas cards. And some of you probably grew up in families like that where you remember getting Christmas cards or, or you send Christmas cards. I mean, I think today so much has changed with, with Facebook and Twitter. And there's just so many other ways to communicate that for a lot of people, we kind of just opt for other ways of, of communicating um, rather than Christmas cards. But again, I just want to say for those of you who maybe regularly send or, or you receive Christmas cards uh, this season, I, I kind of want to, again, just uh, bring, uh, uh, again, a purpose and a focus to that. Because when it comes to sending Christmas cards or letters, uh, people are, are, what they're really doing in that is they're kind of undergoing uh, an evaluation of their relational world. 
They're, they're taking time, and, and I know my mom would kind of look at a list of, of people that she would have that, that she was going to send Christmas cards to uh, or letters to um, that particular year. And again, the, the point is, is that you're kind of making a list of those family and friends that you kind of want to reach out. You want to kind of convey a, a message of, of wishing them a Merry Christmas, uh, maybe to update them on the happenings in your lives over the last year, and maybe just to encourage uh, people. So again, when you get that Christmas card, that Christmas letter, here's the first thought I want you to think when you get that. I am on someone's friendship list. Someone is thinking of me. I am important to someone. And again, that's a wonderful thought. It's an opportunity to thank God for those family, those friends who, who he's put in your life, who are reaching out again to, to remind you how important, how valuable you are to them. Again, it's an opportunity to thank God for family and friends who have you in mind, who, have, who are reaching out to just bless you and to encourage you via a card and letter. So again, every time you get a Christmas card or Christmas letter this Christmas season, let it become an opportunity for you to say, thank you, God, for the family and friends who care enough for me to remember me, to want to reach out to me, to bless me, to communicate with me, to encourage me. Uh, thank you, God, that I am on someone's friendship list. Thank you, God, that I am important to someone, that I am valuable to someone. And then before you put it on the stack or hang it on the wall, whatever your tradition is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold that card, that letter in your hand for just a second. And I want you to say, whether you do it out loud or just think to yourself, the Bible says that when I have opened my heart to God, when I come into a relationship with my heavenly father through Jesus Christ, I am on God's friendship list. I am important to God. I am valuable to him. David says it like this, who am I that God is mindful of me? Who am I that God thinks of me? Who are you that God thinks of you? Because he does. You're valuable to him. You're important to him. You matter to him. Who are you that God would care, that God's attention would be upon you? Jesus said in John 15, beginning in verse 14, he says, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Hereafter, I call you not servants. He said, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. James 2.23 says, Abraham believed God. And Abraham, again, Old Testament Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. When you and I believe in God, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, 
when we long to do and to be obedient to his commands, we are friends of God. Do you know what it means to be on God's friendship list? You understand the best human friend you have is flawed. They don't have unlimited time for you. They don't always have perfect listening skills or perfect empathy or perfect counsel. The best human friend you have, no matter how great that friend is, is flawed. They try, I try, you try, we all try, but we're all flawed. When you are on God's friendship list, you are in a relationship with a truly flawless, perfect friend. God's love for you is a love you'll never find anywhere else. It's never flawed. It's never lacking. God's listening skills are unparalleled. He is available 24-7. His counsel to you is always wise, true, and perfect in every situation. His power, his resources, they are infinite, and he makes it all available to you and me. When you are on God's friendship list, you will never be alone, ever. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I know some of you are heading into this Christmas season, and I know some of you may be dreading that some of you maybe are worried that you're just not gonna get it right because it's gonna be a different or a difficult Christmas because maybe the economy has affected your job. Maybe money's a little tight. Maybe bills are piling up. Maybe the future feels unsure. For some of you this Christmas, there will be an empty chair at a table. Maybe a loved one has died and you cannot imagine what this Christmas is gonna be without them. For some of you, maybe this is the first Christmas that you'll be single because of death or divorce. This may be the first Christmas that you're kind of contending with the imminent loss of someone because of a bad medical report. Some of you, maybe you're sitting there wondering, could this be my last Christmas because of information you've already received? Well, you need to know that if you're in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're on his friendship list. And if you're on God's friendship list, you're not going into this alone. Your heavenly father is coming to you right now and he's saying, you are not alone, you will never be alone, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, no matter how bad it gets. I'll walk with you through it and beyond this Christmas time. And even if you're facing this Christmas and you're doing it from the shadow of the valley of death, God says, I'll be there. It'll be okay. It may be hard, but we'll do it together. So when you see the nativity, when you hear the music, when you have that card or that letter, 
All of it is a great reminder of one great truth. God came. God is here. God is with us, and he will never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Fathers, we just again stand on the threshold of a new month, of a new Christmas season with many opportunities, many invitations, many situations, God, where we can encounter you. Father, we pray again that you'll just open our eyes God, help us to see what sometimes busyness tries to hide. Help us to be able to see the truth amidst all of the things that Christmas has to offer, the stories, the symbols, the signs. Again, some of that make-believe, some of that true. Again, God, just open our eyes to those deeper truths. Father, again, as we hear the music that again, God, it would just speak to our hearts. That God, again, we would, we would know that through the Christmas letters, the Christmas cards, again, that we matter to someone. But first and foremost, God, that we matter to you, that we are important to you, that we are on your friendship list because of what Jesus did for us, that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. And in that, Father, we have our hope. So this morning again, fathers, we enter into this season of Advent, this season of preparation, this season of coming, where God, again, we look back and we thank you that you came among us as a human being, but God, we also look forward that you are coming again, that you came as a savior, and God, you're coming next as a judge to judge the living and the dead, Father. And Lord, prepare our hearts for that coming as well, for that moment that we will see you, that we will stand before you. And so again, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you again would prepare our hearts, that we would prepare a place for you in the midst of all of this, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we close our you are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.